Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's prophecy update, Pastor J.D. continues to explain why he believes that the next event on God's prophetic timeline will be the rapture of the church. With this in mind, it's more important than ever for us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. The truth of his death, burial, and resurrection needs to be heard. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's prophecy update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly prophecy updates on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's prophecy update as shared on May 31st, 2020. In the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, when they see this abomination that causes desolation, the Jewish people are going to realize, this is not our Messiah. And they are going to flee Jerusalem to the place that God has prepared for them, according to Revelation. And many believe, again, present company included, that it's modern-day Jordan, the ancient city of Petra. And for the last three and a half years, God is going to protect His people, the Jewish people. Now this last one, there's a lot of speculation on this. Again, no specificity, but the battle of Magog, Ezekiel 38, and the battle of Armageddon, two different battles. Um, in Revelation 16, 16, they're like bookends on the seven-year tribulation. By that I mean the battle of Gog and Magog is the bookend on the beginning, and the battle of Armageddon, which is really not much of a battle at all, that's at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Again, not quite as specific. And I know that I, this is a very general and broad, uh, you know, description of the prophecies that are coming, but there's a reason why I'm presenting it in this way. So you're probably about now <laughs> wondering why I'm going into all of this. And the reason I'm going into all of this is because we need, we need the talk. We need the talk. We need to talk about the elephant in the room. What is that, that elephant? Well, many Christians are confused about the prophetic events of the tribulation and as such are divided over the coming COVID-19 vaccine. There are even some who say we're already, we must already be in the tribulation. We are not in the tribulation. I, I can assure you of that on the authority of God's Word. So let's talk about this issue of the vaccine. Let me be clear and please hear me out. Any vaccines currently cannot be 
the mark of the beast. Why? Because we're not in the seven year tribulation. A Christian cannot get a flu shot and accidentally get the mark of the beast. No. You don't have to worry about that. However, there is the real possibility that a yet future COVID-19 vaccine may in fact lead up to and become the mark of the beast, yet future. On Friday, CBN News published a report that pre-filled COVID-19 vaccine syringes may have RFID chips in them. This has led to even further division in regards to who will voluntarily accept the vaccination and who will not. Personally, I have no intention whatsoever of accepting any COVID-19 vaccine for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because of what is in it. Namely, aborted babies tissues. That alone. That alone. And there are other reasons as well. As I mentioned earlier, the church today is so divided over this crisis and what I call the race and trace towards vaccinating everyone before returning to a new normal, which is the plan, by the way. And if this weren't bad enough, and this is why, you know, ah, hear me out. What are you going to say? No. I was uh, thinking about this the other day. So, you know, I, I made a comment last week, really a, a, a loving challenge to pastors who might be watching online. And I basically said something to the effect of, what are you going to do now? Are you going to continue doing sermonettes for Christianettes? Boy, did I get some <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, <clears throat> why do pastors do sermonettes for Christianettes? Is it because they have a church full of Christianettes? Well, why is their church full of Christianettes? Because they're only getting sermonettes. And I would argue, and the Lord knows my heart, that the reason why they're Christianettes is because of the pastor's sermonettes. This is why James says, be very careful. Oh, you desire to be a teacher of the Word of God? That's a noble thing. <laughs> but you better understand, you better count the cost, and you better know that you're going to be judged by a much higher standard because of that. Take that very seriously. And I'd like to think that I do. I like how one described it very humorously. I've got to insert some humor right about now, because <laughs> but when we're in heaven, and we're standing in line. I know this is, you know, not scriptural, but, you know, to get in through the gates. I'm going to be in a different line than you're going to be in. 
uh, because it's going to take a little bit longer, because <laughs> I'm going to be judged a little bit stricter. So would you please just, if you see me in the line, just say, I've never seen that guy before in my life. Don't, just wave, say, it's going to be okay. You're going you're gonna to get in. Well done. <laughs> I digress. It's so sad to me though, in all seriousness, it's heartbreaking. Those Christians are so divided. If I told you that Christians are actually divided over whether or not churches should or shouldn't reopen, would you believe me? Oh, I wish you could read some of my mail. Actually, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I wish I, I didn't have to read some of my, my mail and email. It's true. Much to my surprise, there are those who criticize, question, ridicule, even mock churches and pastors for endangering those by reopening the church. Whenever I get a, an email like that, and I got a couple of them, by the way, I just go to the throne. Now I get letters all the time. By the way, if, if I get an anonymous letter, which I recently got, uh, it goes, I have a very intricate filing system for anonymous letters. It's called a shredder. So that's where it goes. I mean, if somebody's not going to put their name on it, I'm not going to read it. So. so whenever I get a letter or an email like that, I just go right to the throne. And the Lord, as He's always so faithful to, just settles my heart, anchors me in His Word. This last week He reminded me of King Hezekiah in the book of Second Chronicles, which we studied through three years ago. Let me just real quickly give you the account, the backstory. It started in Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 24, Hezekiah's father, evil king, did evil in the sight of the Lord. We're told that he gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In other words, the door to the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, to worship the Lord, were shut, closed, locked down. Then in 2 Chronicles 29 verses 1 through 3, he dies and his son Hezekiah, good king, one of only eight, by the way, nine actually I think, of whom it is said, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. All the other kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Hezekiah was one of nine kings. So he becomes king, and in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And then in chapter 30, verse 6, we're told that he sent out an email to what, they didn't have email then, it was a letter to everyone. And he has these runners take this letter, we're open back up. And the runners throughout all Israel and Judah take this letter, which said, according to the command of the king, 
children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Interesting, not Jacob. Just thought I'd point that out. Then he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. So what happens? What's their response when they get the announcement, the letter? The church is reopened. You would think they would be standing in line to come back. That's not what happened. Second Chronicles 30 verse 10 and 11 tells us that the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but they laughed at them and mocked them. The church is open. The temple is, the worship is open. Come back, return. And they laughed. And then we're told, nevertheless, some, we're not told how many, from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun, interesting, humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Why do I share that? Because (laughs) you can criticize me, you can laugh, you can mock. It's been said that if you want to be in the ministry, you better have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the height of a rhinoceros. You've got to have thick skin. You cannot be thin-skinned and be in the ministry. There's always going to be criticisms. Can I share with you that my favorite illustration of this, with the donkey and the father and the son, they're going to go into town with their donkey to get supplies. Son rides a donkey, father walking beside, they pull into town. The townspeople say, look at that, shame on that young man. He makes his father, his aged father, walk while he rides on the donkey. Shame on him. So the dad says, you know, look, son, next time we go in, I'll, I'll ride the donkey, you walk. So as they're pulling in the town to get supplies the next time, sure enough, here comes the criticism. Look at that slave driving father. Makes his son walk while he rides the donkey. Dad's like, okay, I I know, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. We both ride the donkey. So they pull into town, they're both riding the donkey. Sure enough, here it comes. (laughs) That poor donkey, they're going to break the back of this poor donkey. Dad's like, okay, that's it. Neither of us are riding the donkey. So they walk into town, donkey, father, son, they're all three walking. Here it comes. Look at those stupid idiots. They have a donkey and they don't ride him. Moral of the story, no matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. To which I say, bring it on. I say that in a sanctified way, and the Lord knows my heart. As for me and my church, (laughs) it's game on. And we're all in. And this church is reopened. And <laughs> I hope it's okay. I'm, I'm assuming it is, because that's why you're here. I have a renewed 
urgency in this, the last hour of human history as we know it, because I believe with all my heart that the rapture can happen at any time. I have to watch my blood pressure. No, I'm telling you. I've been walking with the Lord for over 38 years. I've been teaching Bible prophecy since the 80s, and never before in my life have I ever sensed in my heart that the rapture of the church was as close as it is now. And this is why we've been doing these prophecy updates for 14 years, man. And this is why we end with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, and a simple childlike explanation of salvation with the ABCs of salvation. Please just give me a couple more minutes and then we're done. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, He was crucified, He died for you, died for me, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day soon and very soon. That's the good news. That's what the word gospel means. Good news, your debt has been paid, you're free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What are the ABCs of salvation? The ABCs are a childlike explanation. I don't mean in any way to insult anyone's intelligence, but Jesus said you must become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. What He meant by that was not become childish, no childlike. You know how trusting children are? They're so trusting. They have that childlike trust. In fact, so much so that you have to warn them about what we call stranger danger, because they're so trusting. That's what Jesus is saying, is a childlike trust in Him. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned and that you need the Savior. We were all born sinners, which is why we must all be born again. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. In other words, nobody is good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's law, and that's the bad news. And because we've broken that law, there is with that breaking of God's law, His perfect standard of righteousness, a penalty. And that's Romans 6.23. You know what the penalty is? It's the death penalty. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, a gift is given. I know this, again, deeply profound. But somebody paid for that gift, right? Jesus paid in full for that gift of eternal life. It cost Him His life for our eternal life. 
That's the A, here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will, not might or could or should, will be saved. It's that simple. Maybe too simple, but that's the gospel, the good news. And that's how to be saved. It was brought to my attention last week that, uh, this is chiefly for our online church, that there are some uh, accounts in my name uh, that are being sent out. One is Instagram, and they're asking for money. That's not me. I never would, I would never do that. We don't even receive an offering here. We have boxes on the wall. So if you get a friend invitation or a direct message or... Now, (laughs) there are some YouTube channels that upload the prophecy updates that we do on their channels. They have permission to do that. What they don't have permission to do is monetize and advertise and make money. That's usually the litmus test to know. So you'll know it's not us if there's any attempt to ask for money. Please, I, we're doing everything we can. We've already got uh, reports in. And anyway, so please know that that would never happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. <sighs> what on earth is happening? Well, it's exactly what you said would be happening. And it means only one thing, and that is that our redemption (laughs) draws ever so nigh. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here in this church or watching online that has never put their trust in You, called upon You, believing with their heart, confessing with their mouth, acknowledging their sin, their need for You, that today they would make the most important decision of their life for eternal life. And lastly, Lord, come quickly. Maranatha. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is returning. This fact is one we can get excited about despite any circumstances we find ourselves in. 
Jesus will return one day to rid this earth of every evil thing that's destroying it. He'll once and for all take down the enemy and establish his kingdom in our midst. How soon will this amazing event occur? The Bible tells us that no one knows the exact date, but it does give us clues about events that will take place as it nears. This is why Pastor J.D. has created these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The Mideast Bible Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indicators of what's to come, and we can see many of these events happening all around the world today. Join us each week for an in-depth look at what the Bible has to say about current events on these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The latest updates are available on the In Spirit and Truth YouTube channel, and you'll find a link to our page by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can also access these teachings through our mobile app for Apple and Android devices. Just search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store, or follow the links provided at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. With this app, you can take the Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates with you wherever you go, as well as give you access to many other teachings Pastor J.D. has shared from the pages of Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.